John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 177.MT2324, certificate number 48072. Camel beauty pageants. Have you ever ridden a camel? I don't know. And it seems like that's something you would know about yourself. Yeah, right. I mean, but I could see where you also would feel a little confused. Right. Like I've been, a, I've seen camels. I, I, I'm old enough that I was around when zoos let you do terrible things. Right. Uh, like ride bears. Like, and you know, hunt dolphins. Give condensed milk to the orca or whatever. Right. And <laughs> by throwing a can. Yeah. At its, at its blowhole. And I have traveled a fair amount. Right. And sometimes you ride things briefly when you travel. I don't think I've ever ridden a camel. Have you been to countries where the camel uh, is a is either a, well is a not native species exactly, but like for regions where the camel is native, like a, like where it's a ship of the desert? Yeah. Have you been to Arabia? I have not been to North Africa. I have not been to Arabia. My wife visited a friend in Dubai not long ago, but I've never been. How about Australia? Uh, camels are very popular in Australia. They're popular like in the, they don't live there, but people put up posters on the wall. Uh, they're like, yeah, I subscribe to camel camels. Beat. Uh, uh, yeah, no, they're, they were imported, right? Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, and imported. And then, you know, some of them got away and they be, there's a feral camel population in Australia, but also the camel is, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> the camel is somewhat um, celebrated in Australia. They have camel events, camel races, and camel camel day, camel day, camel camel parties. There, there. It's it's thought that there are a couple million loose camels in Australia. <laughs> Lucies, like they like, call them, like feral, wild. Camels. It's amazing a that anyone goes to Australia and doesn't see a camel then. <laughs> I know, but they're, the, the camels are in the part of Australia that no one goes to. Right. Which, is, which makes sense. Right? Do you think that's like redlining? Uh, it is, yeah. They're not allowed to, to get a mortgage in any of the coastal areas. They're being kept out of Perth and Brisbane. The, um, you know, the camel, the, the British colonial era... Um, they, the British were in a lot of places where camels were, were native and the British made several attempts in the kind of Lawrence of Arabia style to employ the camel in their colonial enterprise around the world. And, um, you know, there were British, British army units that, uh, Lawrence of Arabia was very, um, was a real proponent of like, no, 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 we need to, the camel, the, uh, the, you know, the, the glorious beast the, and the locals know yeah. they've got the know-how. That's right. This is, this is the wise way. And we'll take camels around the world and, and in Australia. They, they took camels to both poles. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, that's right. The first camel to the North Pole, it was on skis, kind of <laughs> negating its use as a camel. It was a camel being pulled by eight sled dogs. But, you know, the camel was very useful in the outback of Australia in a way that sure. the, that the mule would have maybe struggled. 
I'm pretty sure I've never ridden a camel because I just remembered the other day I was looking up how do you saddle a dromedary. You know, you got that one hump right there. Does the saddle go atop it, in front of it, behind it? And if I remember right, the answer turned out to be all three are yeah. options, yeah, depending yeah. on your style of, of dromedary uh, equestrianship. Ride it as you do. Although seeing photographs of someone riding a dromedary camel from behind the hump, it looks a little precarious. And maybe even like it should be illegal. Yeah, it's a little bit... Like, a, like, what's going on there? What are you doing there, buddy? It's a little strange. And I should say, you know, I have to say at some point, and I guess I'll say it now, that there is a camel fetishism, camel as sex... Wait, what? ...idea, sex, sexy beast uh, that is out there. I highly recommend that you not research it if you're... If you're listening along and don't, thinking, rule don't 34, get online camel. and write camel humps. But there is, but there is, you know, the camel is like, like the horse. It has a lot of very, uh, sexual aspects, you know, a hump. The horse seems sinewy. A, a camel seems a little bit like a, a badly made horse. Well, yeah. I mean, a horse has a nice rump. But a camel's got other. Oh, I wouldn't know. A camel's got other. I never looked. Other beautiful qualities. Big, big, beautiful eyes. The long neck. I the guess. Long neck. Right? I mean, that could be graceful. Length of parts is a big part of a camel's beauty, it's got as lo- judged by impartial judges. But it's got it's got long legs, but then it's got those knees. It's got it's got the and wonky knees. The knees are not are not doing it for me. It's I mean, I don't I don't want to imply that if a camel had shapelier knees, I would be attracted to it. More I, attracted. I would not. But it wouldn't hurt. I mean, I think there are there are elegant camel legs. You know, they don't it's not like I don't think that camel beauty contest judges are like I want the knobbiest knees. That's not the thing they're looking for. Are but you, they are looking for a graceful leg. Are you more worried about being attacked for saying camels are sexy or camels are unsexy? Which which do you think is the greater the greater pit full of of uh, snares? I don't think anyone can argue that camels are sexy. The question is are camels sexy to you? And I would never try to impose the 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 you know, a, a camel, camel love. Why should we on someone else? Why does it matter? It? We should be thinking our camels sexy to other camels. That's all that matters. Oh, camels are very sexy to other camels. Um, have you written to tell? I know you probably have camel stories here. You've spent time in North Africa. Yes. Let's hear your camel resume. Uh, I have a friend here in Seattle, Cal McAllister. His name is an anagram of. Canister of camels. Canister of camels. Oh my goodness! I'm wearing his shirt right now. He is. The, he was the old uh, Wexley School for Girls uh, owner proprietor. Well, that was the, that was the rubber chicken place. The rubber chicken place. Wexley School for Girls. I, it's just a coincidence that I'm wearing his shirt. That's a very confusing sentence to anyone who's not from Seattle. Yeah. Oh yeah, Wexley School for Girls. The rubber chicken place. <laughs> they were an advertising agency that was part of the um, like uh, we're super crazy advertising agency school. And in their office, the front window had rubber chickens hanging as though, as though for sale. Comedy signifier. They had, uh, they had a white piano, white grand piano in their lobby. And then back in the office, there was like a putting green, you know, it was that part of the culture of like, we were fun. I went to, I I went to one of those in Portland. Yeah. They're fun. They're fun. Then, and Cal is very fun. And he has a Christmas party every year at his house. And he traditionally, and this is part of the tradition, uh, rented a camel for his Christmas party. Where do you rent a camel? Well, up in Monroe or whatever, up in the some place with weaker Snohomish animal County. control laws. <laughs> yeah, there's there are people that have camels and all kinds of things. Why, well, if the camels do not want to be in the Cascade Mountains, it's what the British learned when they tried to take them to the pole. That's right. They, well, when they went up into the Afghan Kush, they all died in the freeze. I uh, that just reminded me. You sometimes see a camel at one of the local nurseries at at, right. at, at Christmas. At time. Christmas, right? And I have because the wise men probably. There's a video of me online sitting playing a a song that I wrote with Jonathan Colton called um, uh, "The Week Between," I think. And I'm sitting in a in a sleigh dressed as Santa, playing the ukulele and singing that song to a camel. <laughs> Uh, so I believe that video is is out there in the world. What is me the camel serenading think? a camel? Does it beat its Does it beat its eyelashes? It did. It, it bl- batted eyelashes at me. 
Uh, this camel that Cal would bring to his Christmas party, uh, the kids that came to the Christmas party would get a camel ride. So the camel host would put a kid up on the camel, ride him down to the end of the block. I mean, it's in a neighborhood, um, but it's a fun, it's fun. It's a fun neighborhood. It makes chili. It's the, yeah, it was a good, it was, it was good. It's a Pan- fun neighborhood. Chili, the, camels. The, the, pan- the pandemic did away with it for a couple of years. And I think maybe one of the camels died. So there was a year that it was mules instead. Not as fun. They don't have the camel at Swanson's Nursery anymore either. Yeah. I think one, that might have, maybe it was the, the same, same camel. camel. Uh, but I have never, if you can, uh, if you can. Uh, imagine this. I've never been on a camel either. I can scarcely credit it. And I think it was that by the time I got to a place in life where I could have gotten on a camel, every camel I had the opportunity to get on, uh, the the camel wrangler took a look at me and said, mm, no. You you were larger than most of the Moroccan men yeah, that, too big. that would have hopped on a camel. You're too big. And I would say, come on, it's a big camel. It's tall. And they'd say, no, no. Too big. That's good. That he's more worried about the camel's spinal health than about uh, whatever you would have tipped. My experience of uh, Moroccans and North Africans in general is that they're not really interested in how good a time you have as a tourist in the end. <laughs> you know, they appear to be at first, but that, that's not really their problem. I, I admire that. Yeah, I like well, a country that doesn't put out. Yeah, they're they're like... On the face of it, sure, but then we dig in a little, like, can I ride your camel? I mean, think, what, like, what country mm. would you say is the opposite of that, where it's like, America. love me, love me, love me? <laughs> 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 I was going to say something like Brazil, like where their oh. whole tourist image is like, and then there's a carnival, look at all these bikini cleavages, Yeah, you know? Yeah, I thought, well, let me think, what, what, what is the one that does that uh, Maybe Switzerland. Most? Oh no, God, they don't care if you live or die. Yeah, but think about the, is it, was that just our decision that we would love their aesthetic, that we would yeah. love their chalets? Oh, we and, love uh, them. And, uh, yeah, and, they don't uh, care about us. Cow, cow dappled uh, hillsides? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, like, in, in terms of European countries, who wants it the most? Ireland. Who wants it? Some some parts, right? But the rest of them, I mean, I had a cab driver in Ireland look me right in the eye and go, Americans. I'm not saying who's charming like, to tourists. Uh, Italy. Italy's all yeah, about like la di da di da. Check us out. Shubidi do. We invented the guitar. Whatever. Yeah, that, that's what they're saying. <laughs> I've, uh, but I have seen wild camels. I was I saw them in the Sahara Desert. I was on a bus going from Warzazat to I don't know Zagora or something. And where the, is this? Pretend I don't know where. S- this Southern is Morocco. Uh, I knew and that. I there, just, I'm just thinking about the listening. There were uh, there were camels like wild on the hoof, and you know, and you're looking out over the dunes, and there they were, and I was like, wow, look, 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 mom, look are, where I am. Are they in big herds? Like like if you're seeing elk at Yellowstone? No, or? this was a smaller group of you know like five camels. It was more of an elite task force. You don't think of male camels being fighters but they really fight each other oh so each group has like one male it's yeah like a- yeah the 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 a lot of the camel work that gets done uh it's the females that do the that are like the faster runners and that are the ones that do the work and a lot of it is and i think the males are bigger but they're just so unruly they're really bullies i wouldn't want to put my kid on on one at a party you, at you, a christmas party can you imagine two camels fighting i don't I mean, that first of all, that's a terrible Native American name. But second of all, um, I just, they're enormous. Camels are enormous. And, you know, they're famously kind of uh, grouchy. And I don't think I would want to be around two male camels that were having a go. This is probably why Christmas events generally have one camel. One camel. There were three wise men. So you'd think there'd be three camels. There probably were, but there were probably three uh, female camels. What if there were three wise men and they all rode the same camel? One in front of the humps, one between the humps, and one behind the humps. So it would be a Bactrian camel, but that would be, those are from India, and that's not where the wise men came from. Well, yeah, they are. They're, they're, they're wise men from the east. Oh, sure, if they're from the east. So they probably would have been on a Bactrian camel, the three of them. They could have been on a three-humped camel that only exists in Dr. Seuss books. Love it. Each king on a hump. And also, we're going to get letters pointing out that the king, the Bible never says there are three wise men. That's a tradition. Oh, it's a later tradition implied by the fact that they bring three gifts. Who are we going to get those letters from? 
Wait, there. So, how many wise men are in the Bible? Just an unclear, un, an undetermined number. There could be any number from two up. So there could be two wise men, one of whom brings gold, and one of whom brings frankincense and myrrh. It feels pretty dumb because the other guy brought gold. So there could have been forty wise men, and they all got together on the way there. And we're like, hey, we should get a gift. Let, 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 let's go in on a gift <laughs> on the way to Bethlehem. <laughs> okay, let's all get let's all get some gold. And he happens to have frankincense and myrrh in his oh, bag already. I got some myrrh in my camel because he's a funeral director. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, hmm. I, yeah, I don't know who we would get those letters from. But, Once again, uh, the Bible silent on how many wise men on important questions. You'd yeah. think you'd think it would speak up on. We three kings of Orient are. Yeah, it's a prevalent tradition. And so, right, it would be a Bactrian camel, not a not a dromedary camel. Bactrian, you're saying dromedaries are in the are in the Sahara region, and Bactrian is further east. Dromedaries are the one hump, and they are from Arabia, and. Um, and I guess I didn't know North Africa. I didn't know I where the, the Hardy's Carl's Jr. line of of camels was. Has That's there been has there been intermixing due to you know introduced populations? Like will you now see both side by side, one being used to uh, you know, to ferry Bedouins and uh, one being used to um what else would you do with a camel? Pull a plow, uh p- turn a turn a mill? Uh well there so there in ancient times in ye olde times, uh, there was evidence that uh, Bactrian and Dromedary camels were crossed uh, to make what is known as the... Did it make a 1.5 hump camel? It, it's called the hybrid camel. Bactridary? It's a Bactridary or a Dromerian. And... Um, and Does act, it have three humps or one and a half? This is what everyone wants to it know. It has one large hump. Isn't that mostly what a dromedary is? Well, but it's like a it's like Does it have a little dip in the middle. It doesn't have like the, One the hump kind or of the dimple bump hump. It's more like the whole of it is a big old hump. It's just a big old hump. A lovely lady lump. It's a lovely lady lump. Um, and the two of them, uh, uh, the this kind of camel, the uh, the uh, hybrid camel, was used. In a sport called camel wrestling, <laughs> no, it's kind of a... Tr- Nobody can see you actually looking at a computer screen, so it just sounds like you're making this up. No, no, no. I'm not even looking at a computer screen. I know this... <laughs> Off the top of your I head. I know this by heart. Uh, it's a Turkish uh, tradition where, uh, yeah, where Do humans wrestle the camels? Do the camels wrestle each other? No, it's part of... You know, camels will naturally wrestle. Imagine a camel just coming out of the crowd and hitting another camel over the back with a folding chair. <laughs> uh, part of the way that they fight could only be described as wrestling. And um, and it was kind of a, you know, it's not quite like dog fighting, but it is it is thought of now as as a, like, unseemly. An animal rights, yeah, <laughs> animal rights abuse. It's just considered backwards. Uh, but, you know, pre- Ataturk and his reforms, camel wrestling was a popular diversion. So are there elderly in people in Turkey who are still angry that Ataturk ruined the the Turkey the the camel wrestling circuit? Yeah, I believe that it's still there are there are probably traditionalists. They're probably young people uh with flourishing mustaches who are like, we need to bring back camel wrestling. They're probably still doing it like in secret places, but they just don't get caught because they use camel flush. Yeah, there are still I think globally there are still probably camel fights in in you know back rooms it's kind of like uh that's how you know you're in a really good bar (laughs) if you can hear the yelps of of uh, camels getting a 10 count and i don't think that they i don't think camels i mean i think it's like if a camel if the one camel knocks the other one to the ground or if one of the camels runs away Mm. uh, that's the end of the camel fight Um, that's true in boxing or wrestling as well yeah right you don't see it a lot you don't don't run away yeah you don't see uh uh you know Floyd Merriweather run away too often. So in that sense, it's not like dog fighting where the dogs rip each other's throats out. That's good. But it is, I mean, can you imagine how exciting a camel fight would be? <sighs> oh, we've, we've missed out on so much, but no, I have not ever ridden a camel, but I've been, I've been around them and I, and I feel like I, I feel a, a what, uh, 
a kinship with the a camel? Kinship a little that bit. That even Kamal Ataturk could not could I, not take away from the world. I feel like the camel is a groovy is a groovy uh, kind of creature, and I've you know thick, I'm, thick sensual lips. I'm a I'm a little bit of a I don't know animal whisperer. I like I like to feel like the all of God's creatures and I share a world. You're camel like, yeah. Tall beige, yeah. A little lumpy. L- lumpy? Spits, spits when he gets mad. I, I have droopy lips <laughs> and uh, can go a long time without water. Seductive eyelashes. You know, camels were, uh, there. Uh, uh, a pretty significant attempt was made to introduce camels into the United States. Right, the, in the West, right? Yeah, and it was the pet project of no less uh, American luminary than Jefferson Davis <laughs> when he was the secretary uh, of war for the United States. This is what they should say when they refuse to take down the. They should take down the statues. They should be like, "Well, you know, he was a real camel advocate. He, he was, was a very forward-thinking camel supporter." Yeah, he was. He was. He was all about the camel, and he thought. Um, he thought the camel was going to be the the future of the West. That makes sense. That was a. That was a lot of barren waste to cross back then. That's right. And he made a, he made an elegant enough appeal to, uh, to Franklin Pierce that they, uh, sent a mission to the Middle East and they brought back, you know, 30 plus camels to the United States. And I think for a while they used the camels in the Pony Express. They, you know, they had camels throughout the Southwest. They bred them. Until there were... That would be a very slow leg of the Pony Express if suddenly you switched to camels. Well, you know, camels... Um, How fast can they go? A horse is faster than a camel in a sprint, uh-huh. but over a long distance, a camel Camels actually win. has an, an advantage. You yeah. know, I think the camel can average 25 miles an hour over a distance, whereas, you know, a horse can sprint a lot faster than that, but can't keep up that pace. As we've said before on the show, a human can beat a horse at almost every distance. Yeah. A human can beat a horse with computers. A human can yeah. beat a horse in a, a lot paint, of ways. A paintball. Almost everything. Except the, the opposable thumbs really help if you're playing World of Warcraft. Or maybe something. not uh, like wrestling. I bet a horse. Mm. I don't know, but the horse would probably run away. That's what it would. But be. then you win. Then you win. Then you win. But so camels were actually in all the tests that they did in the American West. Camels were uh they were great they passed with flying colors they uh, way better than mules and horses in almost every way they ate uh is there stuff there to eat for them well yeah they ate all these brambles and sticker bushes and and stuff that no other animal could eat and so there was this sense of like whoa they eat those where's our invasive species anger (laughs) that's amazing when camp when the cute animal the camel is eating the crappy uh, species, the, the prickle bush. Yeah, that was, it was, uh, and, and also, you know, they would go for miles and miles and miles through the desert, waterless wastelands and need no water at all. And then drink water at the end. And I think the, the general sense is that during the civil war, uh, the, the Confederacy occupied a lot of the Southern states, desert states where the camels predominated. Yeah. And after the war, the camels were kind of associated with the Confederacy. <laughs> and, you know, Jefferson Davis being their big, you know, who ended up being the president of the Confederacy. And so the U.S. Army, a- after the Civil War, kind of just let the camels. They were uh, tainted. Yeah, they're just like, man, that's These, not what we're into. The species, Franklin Pierce thought they'd be good Americans, and they did not assimilate. They immediately led a rebellion against the North. It still feels weird to me that there are two million wild camels in Australia and- And we can't have any. Yeah, where the heck are all the camels of Arizona? It just feels like it's the one thing that should be in Arizona. Stupid confederacy. They ruin everything. How how long till the Republican Party switches from elephants to camels? You know, I wonder if if there's an argument, a political argument in America that the left and the right can become completely divided and furious at each other about camels. What would it be? Who's going to who's going to stake their claim to camels so that the other side can be anti-camel? There was a mischance like in this Dixiecrat uh Jim Crow 
South, like fifties and sixties, if they had started, to, if the clan had started to put up statues of camels, yes, a proud Southern symbol, or like, yeah, we got to get these camels back in here because of uh, states' rights. Then today, it could it could still be a flash. Another moment. missed opportunity for the clan. <laughs> Just one one in a series. I want to say right now that we here at Omnibus are against the Ku Klux Klan, white supremacy in all its forms. We are really we come out against it. But what if they rode up on camels? Like, that would Whoa. actually be, like, that would be a pretty good visual. I mean, it would still be reprehensible, everything they'd be thinking and doing. They could spell camel with a K? Well, there. the only connection I can think of is that, um, you know, there's Clans that... camels are real dumb as hell. <laughs> there's that famous uh, kind of urban myth that the picture of the camel on a pack of camel cigarettes has a man with an erection in the in the logo, hidden, secret, subliminal picture. And that's what makes kids smoke. And that's what makes kids, kids are smoke. Like, kids are at the drugstore being like, which of these products has a like a guy who's visibly turned on? And that's what they will buy. Uh, Everyone knows this. Well, and that's the old camels are, they're a very sexy beast. Are they? Well, look, I'm not going to tell you how to live. I'm not going to tell you whether you're attracted to camels or not. Uh, just for the record, I am not attracted to camels. Nothing that Jefferson Davis or Ataturk could do is going to change. <laughs> this is just part of This is who I am, John. I was born this way. But we're talking about all of the global fringe of camel culture, but really camels are an extremely important part of the culture of North Africa and Arabia and the you know, the Near East and the Far East in their various ways. They're uh, ideally suited to these um, arid climates. And the camels, camels were used at in, I mean, every part of the camel was used. The uh, They were used for meat. They were used, uh, camel milk was right. used, uh, sought after. They were used for transportation and hauling. They were uh, raced. They were... Um, they were a source of income, you know, breeding and selling camels. I mean, every, and every this aspect is still true of it. today in a way that there are not a lot of horse-based cultures, right? Like there are still desert camel cultures or not so much. Well, so this is the thing as the, the 20th century really represents a, a kind of a turning away from the camel. Well, yeah. Like the, like the, the slow death of Bedouin culture um, as all nomadic peoples in the world have been gradually displaced and strangled and and um, and nomadism became less and less you know possible. In what do the you think because nomadism doesn't pay or just because governments and expanding populations are increasingly unfriendly? I just think that it, that globally the idea of private property yeah. um, as it as it encounters a nomadic culture, there only uh, only one can survive, and private property is just too good job capitalism. It's just too persuasive. Your next victim, Bedouins. But but also you know Bedouin culture has been transformed by the transformation of the Middle East into a into a natural resource economy. And but what about technology? Like has the automobile replaced camels for for desert people? The the Toyota Hilux <laughs> does an awful lot of heavy lifting. Um, Re returning to the omnibus. But also, it's the citification of of most of those. I mean, most of the world, right? Everyone yeah. is moving to cities, and the idea of of even needing to cross the desert as sort of like if you need to cross the desert now, you take transportation, and more more importantly, you don't need you, to cross. You the either desert. don't or you fly. It's weird how how hard it is to drive across the Sahara. Right? There's like two routes. It's very hard to do. Yeah. Like like it's the biggest desert in the world, and there's maybe. Two roads and one more plant. There's right? the one through Tim, Timbuktu, and then you know over on the other side, it's kind of not through the Sahara. Yeah, there's hardly hardly a way. And why would you? I mean, there it, the the road down. There's the one uh, all the way on the coast, Western Sahara, mm -hmm. and then the one through Timbuktu, and then there's what? There's one over. But but it's there, it's all truckers, and they're just doing long haul trucking that you of stuff that there's no traffic copters every every no. hour on the nines no and i don't even think they do the the um i don't even think they do the dakar rally to dakar anymore that it was politically too unstable and they moved 
Paris to Dakar. They didn't they, change the name? They put it somewhere else. It's I now, guess they can leave the name. I mean, most of the drivers are in Dakar the whole time. Oh. The, the whole time. I shouldn't have let you have it. I shouldn't. I should have stopped you. I should have blocked you. You know, I, uh, I've been trying to build an art collection for myself um, because, you know, not only is art a wonderful thing to have around the house um, as a decorative element, but it's also, it can end up being a great investment. And for somebody like myself, the only option traditionally has been that I meet young artists at street fairs and uh, at local art schools, and I buy their paintings really cheap when they're young and then hope against hope that they became the, the, they become a new Basquiat. And then all of a sudden I'm one of those people that bought like a Monet when he was a struggling artist that hasn't worked for me so far. My art collection really right now is mostly old mad magazines in picture frames, but there's a new, uh, there's a new concept in, uh, in art ownership where like blue chip art is being offered like fractional ownership is being offered by a company called masterworks where you can invest in an actual Picasso or a Banksy or a Basquiat at a price point that is accessible to you. So you, you end up with a fractional ownership of a painting that as you've seen, surely if you follow the art market as closely as I do uh, in times of tremendous inflation in times where the economy is going off the rails, sometimes the art market is one that responds surprisingly consistently or maybe unexpectedly well. So Masterworks, this is this incredible story. In October 2020, Masterworks sold Mona Lisa, not that Mona Lisa, but one by Banksy, for $1.5 million, but had sold it to Masterworks investors the prior October for $1,039,000, netting investors a 32% net annualized return on their investment. This is a really intriguing thing. And, uh, and as somebody that, you know, that wants to build an art portfolio, but also wants to diversify my financial portfolio right now, almost all of my savings is in nuts and seeds, like a lot of people my age. I put a lot of money in nuts and seeds. You can't go wrong when the winter comes. But the idea of diversifying it into art, I think, is is very intriguing to me. And, you know, it's and very tangible. So if you're as interested in, as I am in building an intelligent portfolio, go to masterworks.art slash omnibus. That's masterworks dot art slash omnibus and uh and check out this like super curious and cool new way to invest and diversify your portfolio that's masterworks dot art slash omnibus in those uh places where um bedouin culture is still uh it's you know, there's still living memory of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Emirates and Saudi Arabia, um, there's a sense, I think, culturally in those countries that losing Bedouin culture is losing something very important and very kind of crucial to their identities. And so as in all kind of modern uh like reevaluation and rapprochement with of with indigenous with with well indigenous culture but also with your own culture the desire to explore your personal culture from the perspective of someone that kind of wasn't maybe brought up in it well that's interesting you know like um i think throughout the united states we see it across the board people trying to discover their culture like a, uh, a Chinese kid born in San Francisco, whose parents were born in San Francisco, whose grandparents were born in San Francisco, trying to reconnect with their Chinese identity. It's a so your average Moroccan doesn't see this as like a a, a separate people, you know, the way right. I might be fascinated with uh, the Navajo or whatever. It's really more like this is my culture, yes. in its original, pure ancestral form. Exactly, like someone, uh, like a young person in uh, in the Emirates. His or her grandfather 
was a, a might have been a camel driver, a Bedouin, yeah. right? Like a like a like a nomad, and now it, they live in a very wealthy and modern society, and those traditions are a lot of them transmitted, um, kind of through film or through, uh, through like emblems more than than directly, and 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 the 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 equivalent uh, in the United States is we, we always think of it as that a culture is that that a people are deprived of their culture right i mean that there are there are people trying to rediscover the navajo language there are a lot of people here who feel that their culture was intentionally eradicated not even just native americans but any immigrant culture sure. saying like why my grandparents spoke italian and they didn't teach me they had to assimilate because it was an assimilationist culture but in you know in the the arabian peninsula it's much more just that that culture was kind of willfully uh, abandoned or just supplanted by modernity. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to carry a cell phone around all the time. And, and the equivalent today might be hipsters making soap. Yeah, right. A, a return or, or you know, original craft. Hippies and- going back to the land. But because Bedouin culture is both nomadic and also there's not. You can't go back to colonial Williamsburg because it was there were it wasn't about building a town, you know, it was a tent a tent-based community. It's hard to recapture the culture. And the camel is central to a modern reinterpretation or reassimilation or reidentification with what it means to be descendant from a Bedouin culture. So it's like a romantic symbol. Very much. The way we might romanticize, you know, the wolves of the, you know, of the pre-colonized American continent. Or- right. And as a lot, as is true, I think of a lot of modern attempts to reconnect with an old culture where the threads maybe aren't continuous. Um, a lot of it is a modern interpretation of what that culture might have slash could have been and and probably never was. Right? That's how romanticization always works. That's right. I watch a Western. That's right. So in the last couple of decades, the camel has taken on a particularly new significance in the in the Middle East and Arabia. So, so uh, although this feels like a thing that, that, um, uh, you, you want to believe that the, that the, this kind of camel celebration has been a continuous part of Arab culture. In fact, it was only in 2008 (laughs) that in the Emirates, the first Aldafra, uh, camel festival which was um, which takes place out in the empty quarter, the Ruba Kali, which is there in the middle of you know it's Saudi Arabia and the Emirates and Oman and Yemen all have this enormous. It's kind of and there's nothing there. It's right? the the largest expanse of sand desert in the world with with nothing there. Right? There's no. It's not like even the Sahara has a Sahel and there's a lot of stuff intruding on it. But this is just dunes as no. far as the eye can see. And this new festival that kind of was was situated out in the desert, only in 2008 did it did it um, appear on the scene and it was an Emirati kind of like, "Hey, you know what? Let's let's get back to our old culture. Let's get some, you know, let's have a camel." But there were no camel festivals anciently, right? This is like a bunch of festival planners being like, "Well, what it would have been was, you know, nomads gather at different times of the year. They have they they would have they would get together and sell wares markets and, and yeah, feasts. markets and feasts, right? And so this was a, an attempt to uh, to revitalize that culture, but in a completely modern way, and they would have uh, it was a big marketplace, but also a lot of camel oriented events, camel, you know, selling camel milk, but also like show show us what your camels can do. It's like one of those antique car shows. Exactly. Every weekend. And there were, you know, they would have all these contests where like you would have a, your group of camp, you know, you'd be a, a shepherd and you'd have your group of camels and then I'd have my group of camels and 
the two groups of camels would be driven into one another where they would, they would be forced to intermingle with each other and then forced through a series of obstacles. And at the other end, it's a game show when you would, when you would separate the two groups of camels, if any one of your camels followed the other group of camels, you were, you know, you lost like, uh, it was, it's like the sheepdog trials. Yeah. Uh, Can you keep control of your whole group of camels so that they know who they're following and what their group is like all these kinds of camel contests. But also then camel races and camel auctions and all kinds of, you know, every, everything to do with the camel. It's like some little town in California that has some artichoke fest for, <laughs> yeah. for a long weekend. Or they invite all the, uh, all the this, Harley dudes. This ice cream is yeah. made of artichokes. Now, camel racing has always been a part of every camel culture. And, um, and camel racing, uh, you know, very had a very troubled history. And one of the reasons was that, um, camel jockeys traditionally were children because, you know, lightweight and it became, um, in the 20th century and I think probably forever, but, but it was, uh, the source of a lot of human trafficking. Children would get kidnapped. Um, but also children would get sold by their impoverished parents into the camel jockey, that's community. Weird. That's weird. If all you need is somebody that weighs a certain amount. Yeah. Well, and you know, and they're small, and then are trained in yeah. these camel jockey academies. Imagine some camel jockey Fagan getting all his camel jockey kids to be better camel jockeys. And you know, the term camel jockey is a is a is a, a racist one. Oh, is that something people like? Tro- yeah. Troops in the Gulf say just to mean yeah, just to mean a, a, any a Arab person, person, right? Um, and that we're not using it that in that sense. It, these are child jockeys, and I think in the two thousands, it was estimated that um, that there were. Uh, I mean, this is a very wide number, but um, up to forty thousand, like child camel jockeys that were living in camel racing, uh, what compounds? I mean, they were, they were not with their parents anymore. They were 40,000 kids been trafficked for this trafficked to race camels. Didn't know existed. Yeah. And so can't, you know, camel racing was big business, just like horse racing. Yikes. Um, so there's, Oh, there's a gambling. Oh yeah. uh, I see. So it's not just that the camel, wins a purse, but there's, a, there's gambling and, and every, and you know, camels themselves are worth a lot of money depending on their abilities. Um, and it was the Emirates, the UAE that first banned child jockeys and other nations in the camel racing world gradually followed suit in banning children from the, from the job. And the children were replaced with robot camel jockeys. Robot? They're shaped like children, and they have a little robot whip, like an arm with a robot whip. That implies there's not a lot of skill involved in being a camel jockey. Well, and then a microphone in the child, in the robot child, where the camel owner can give vocal cues to the camel. This is amazing. And then, and then during camel races, they will often drive alongside, like there's a whole accompanying a camel race is also a caravan, not only of cars that have camel owners with walkie talkies and a button. It's like a NASCAR thing. You got a pit crew. They're hitting the little robot whip, like and going like, turn left, turn right faster. And then there are also buses and stuff hurtling along full of tourists and other Camel race enthusiasts, because camel races are, um, they're, they don't, uh, in a lot of places, they're just in a kind of a, across the desert, like it's a five kilometer race across the desert. So yeah, not it's a not track. a, it's not a track there. And so there, there's this whole like road warrior style, uh, <laughs> bunch of cars and buses and stuff guy, chasing guy along. Guy playing an electric guitar on the <laughs> grill. It seems like it must be hard to watch if you're a spectator there. If they're just going across the desert. Yeah, if you're standing in the grandstand, you're I think you're watching with binoculars. Now that's pod racing. 
I, if I, I'd be terrified if I were an American horse jockey. Now that I know that that this is a that, possibility, yeah, that you can just be replaced by a robot arm and a microphone. Well, and so I don't. I mean, I, I'm sure a, a that jockey-shaped lump. I'm sure if you didn't have to get rid of the child jockey, you wouldn't, because I'm sure they could be trained to do a much better job than a than a stationary robot. But but, but there's no like jockey-sized adults or little people that can do this job in the in Arabia. I think the best, the the highest level of camel racing still has living people. Mm. Um, this is, and it's not you know the lowest level of camel racing probably does too. It's just the you know the intermediate level of camel racing. Is Nearly all camels robot. today are being ridden by robots, <laughs> and you and I had no idea. <laughs> think what you could do: you could leave off the head and make it a creepy, a creepy camel horseman. This is fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on with robot camel racing. You could put a camel head on your camel jockey robot, and make it look like a human camel is riding another camel. You could put the the mask from the movie Scream <laughs> on not just the robot jockey, but the camel but itself. Also, but also the camel. Yeah. And there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of dressing up of camels in these events. The, the, um, I think the original inspiration for this gathering was a result of two family, two, you know, royal families in the Emirates having a dispute about whose camel was prettier Mm. and they, and it, it produced, uh, you know, they were like, well, let's get an independent judge in here. Um, my camel is clearly the better, you know, the prettier camel and it it evolved then into this festival and there's a lot of there uh, it's then become a like a bedouin festival and celebrating all the different aspects of bedouin culture that ha- that's increasingly under pressure and lost really like bedouins love saluki dogs hmm. and so there's also a lot of saluki contests and is that and, the origin of saluki dogs i didn't know that yeah the saluki is like a, you know fertile crescent um, I had no idea. Mesopotamian dog, herding dog. Wouldn't it be funny if they were just into like cocker spaniels or something? <laughs> well, I mean, think about the Afghan. It's called an Afghan. Mm. It's an Afghani dog and the Saluki and the Afghan are very close. I always assume related. all dog breeds come from Germany, but that's impossible. Yeah, they, no, can't, just, they can't all be from Germany. Just the ones that people say, no, they're very nice actually. <laughs> and dachshunds. <laughs> oh, right. Dachshunds, which are... Totally afraid of coat hangers, or at least in my experience. That's one of those like weird generalizations where yeah, you, when, you saw one. When people talk about dachshunds, I'm like, oh, they hate coat hangers. And then we're trying to get that going. Yeah, no one else, no one else says, yeah. I'm trying I'm to like, invent a new stereotype here. It's maybe, super, super racist about dachshunds. Maybe it was just those two dachshunds that I knew that were afraid of coat hangers. Anyway, there's a lot. Uh, oh, falconry, also mm. a big part of, of Bedouin culture that's now kind of being re-celebrated in these contests. You can see how it lends itself to a festival. There's, you know, like a track meet. You yeah, know? It's, right. a, it's a lot of athletic type pursuits. And you get to try a lot of things, you know, like there is, I think, a, a, a market for camel milk and its many products, but where, where it stops being a uh, a staple or a necessity and starts to become a luxury item or a thing that's rare, hard to find and so cool. Uh if once people at the Silver Lake Erewhon want it, yeah, then camel pr- prices milk. will skyrocket. <laughs> but there's a lot of um you know, I, people always decorated their their mounts and their saddles, but there's now a new interest in camel fashion. And there are a lot, you can buy jewelry for your camel. You can get, um, there are tailors that, that work, uh, exclusively in camel haberdashery. By that, you mean clothes for the camel, clothes, not imitating or made out of clothes for the camel. Hmm. And, a, uh, again, hats. a lot of the, you know, a lot of the contests involve are, you know, performed mostly with female camels. The male camels are too aggressive to one another, but of course, like, stallions their male camels sell for uh good money as breeding camels hmm. um but nowhere near what the female camels catch or sell for 
Um, the most expensive horse exceeds the price of the most expensive camel. Um, the most expensive horse was sold for $70 million. And is, is this in the horse racing world or is this an, or is this an Arabian? Yeah, it's in, in the horse racing, uh, but mm. you know, used, used as a stud. Right. I don't think that the $70 million horse ever paid off its cost. Hard to imagine. You'd have to really get a lot of, you'd have to win a lot to be worth $70 million. Let's compute like how many cc's of horse semen you would, you know, I mean. Even at $20,000 a pop, it's still an awful lot of. It's still cheaper than printering. Sexy times. But yes. Horse times. And you don't know how, you you do have no guarantee of, of how long he can still stay in the saddle as it were. Right. Um, in the saddle. Yes. The, uh, the, maybe most interesting iteration of the camel festival is the camel beauty contest. Quick look at the clock. How long have we, how long did we go before mentioning the subject of the show? 47 minutes. (laughs) Thanks for sticking with us. It's time (laughs) for some camel beauty pageants. Um, so the camel the camel festivals, you know, they're not just in the Emirates. The The Saudis also have big festivals. There are big festivals all over. In fact, in Australia, there are big camel festivals. But the camel beauty contest seems to be a feature of just the very rich um, Persian Gulf cultures where camels now are uh, being traded in a, and, and have – have tremendous value because they are lovely. Is this a little bit of a, I mean, we wouldn't say beauty pageants about the Westminster dog show, but is that essentially what it is? Would we not? (laughs) I mean, is there a camel swimsuit competition? Does the camel have to give a little extemporaneous speech about world hunger? So the, uh, the features that are, that are prized in a camel. I am taking notes. Are, um, long, Droopy lips. The droopier, the better. Just like uh, people. A nice big nose. Just like people. A shapely hump. <laughs> like I mean, people. all of these are this things is, I look Mc, for in a person. Mick Jagger. Yeah. Long legs. Mick Jagger. A long neck. Mick Jagger. Pert ears. Hmm, I don't know. Hard to know about Mick Jagger. And then big eyes and expressive eyes and big eyelashes. So these are really um, not related to... Uh, you know, the kinds of things that you'd be looking at on a horse show, you know, the, the sinewy, uh, no. you know, it's not strength or performance. It really is just like, does this camel, uh, is this camel pretty? Is this a, is this a comely camel? And, and like horses, you know, the quality of their, of their coat, the shine and their, and their athleticism and their, the, and their physical shapeliness are factored in. But there are these other qualities, much closer to how you would rate a dog. It's true, uh, like dog breed. If you bring your pig to a county fair, there's not going to be a lot of discussion from the judges about is you it, know, its symmetrical features or yeah, is it beautiful? Yeah. Does this pig make me love it? That's not a, that's not typically. And with and with the so Charlotte, dog- Charlotte never had to write like physically attractive <laughs> in her web. Gorgeous pig. <laughs> Um, and I think with, with dog shows, there has been an attempt to systematize the judging and kind of make it sound scientific, even though it is, you know, the judges are somewhat subjective. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, there's a system, there would be a, there's a code, whereas. You want consistency, I guess. And that, and that's true to a certain extent with camel, uh, beauty contests, but the, uh, there's typically a five man panel judging the overall comeliness of the of the camel and they have become um camel be- the camel beauty contests have become sources of tremendous kind of pride and uh and transfer of great sums of money there's a whole people buying and selling beautiful camels yeah there's a whole young uh, a group of young men in the Emirates that are uh, camel influencers (laughs) 
who just go to camel festivals and take pictures of beautiful cameras and put them on Insta, you know, selfies with beautiful camels. Does the word cam girl not mean what I think it means? It's a different, it's a whole, whole different thing. But, but very few girls are allowed to be camel influencers. That doesn't surprise me. Um, the most expensive camel appears to have been purchased many years ago by Sheikh by Sheikh Hamdan bin Muhammad bin Rashad, I'm sorry, bin Rashid al Maktoum. Okay. What did he pay? He paid $2.7 million for a, a camel, a very beautiful camel. And I can confirm this camel, very beautiful. We it, don't. Does it show? Like if you looked at that yeah. camel and an ordinary camel, you would just be like, I never want to see an ordinary camel again now that I've seen this one. Well, it's just in a whole different league. And there are a lot there are a lot of different kinds. There aren't as many different breeds of camel as there are uh dogs or even horses. But like they're the camels that are uh, endemic to the Emirates and to Oman are called Mahaliat camels and they're kind of tan colored. The uh Majahin camels from Saudi Arabia are darker and some of them are black. There are pure white camels that look like Salukis, like they have black skin but white hair. There are Sudaniyat camels from Sudan, Omaniyat camels from Oman. Like they're all the same species, just different, like dog breeds, different colorations. Yeah, and these are all dromedary camels. Like the, the, if you and I were to go now and try and buy a camel for our little farm, should we do it? We could. Uh, Should we do it during the show? Just go, just like <laughs> bring a mic, grab our mics, and get in the car. This would be a long show, but you could. There's no. There is a camel market in the United States, and both Bactrian and Dromedary camels for ten or fifteen thousand bucks, we could easily huh. buy a camel. And and there's no law is, against is having the, them. The county says we can have a camel. Yeah, it's just the same as a horse, and you could. And there, you just go find a camel breeder, and and those camels. Um, would be, yeah, you'd take them to the, the nursery or you'd have camel rides at Christmas time. But they're literally 1,000th as beautiful as, or like, well, yeah, 300th as beautiful as this camel. These camels that sell in the uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars or in some cases millions of dollars are camels that that really are like... They turn heads. They're phenomenal. You can't not wolf whistle when you see this camel. The the camel festival the king uh, the king Abdulaziz camel festival in Saudi Arabia has hundred thousand people show up. Um, it lasts for forty days, forty it, days and forty nights. How do you get time off work? Well, it's I mean you come you it's, go. It's like a world's fair. It's you, not you, that you far to, from Riyadh. You, you go to part of yeah. Nice. But earlier this year there was a scandal <gasps> in the beautiful camel world. There was. Um, it had increasingly been true that people were doctoring their camels to make them more beautiful. Like cosmetic surgery? Yes. Um, people were injecting Botox <gasps> into their lips and noses. They were using, uh, fillers. To give them like pur- perter ears? False, you know, like silicone injections and padding to make their lips droopier. Like they would give them, they would uh, give them injections to cause their uh, like muscle relaxants to cause their lips to droop more. And then Botox to, you know, or fillers to make their cheeks bigger and their noses bigger. They were um, sometimes using rubber bands. They would put a rubber band around a part of their face in order to, that it engorge with blood and then take the rubber band off right before the judging and their, you know, their lips or nose would be all puffed up. These are, it's weird because these are also all the ways they got Mr. Ed to appear to talk. <laughs> Is that right? No. <laughs> uh, they were dyeing their coats. Um, it's so sad what our culture does to camels and makes them feel about themselves. Yeah, right. It, it did create a lot of camel self-image problems, but it became... Uh, this year, this past year, 2011 or 2021, it became an enormous scandal and they started X-raying and ultrasounding camel faces. Or implants. And dis- 
there were they found 147 cases of camel beauty damage. It's like the Tour de France. Everybody yeah. was doping, and 43 camels were disqualified. And in some cases, like if you if you botoxed or injected your camel, you were the, the fines ranged up to twenty five thousand dollars. Oh. Um, and so now within the camel beauty world, um, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of pressure. It's too easy to detect camel, uh, cosmetic surgeries and cosmetic, you know, uh, additives. You can't get away with it anymore. And so now I, uh, the future seems to, to indicate that, that, uh, that the true high level camel breeders and sellers are going to are going to abandon the practice. The future of camel beauty is is just flattering lighting and and maybe better contouring. Yeah, well, and you know, like good diet and exercise like everyone can. <laughs> um there there are over a million and a half camels that have identifying microchips in them. So there there are more than a million and a half camels that are valuable Why? enough. Oh, these are just celebrity camels. To be, yeah, to be. Um, they're not being tracked for wildlife reasons. No, 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 no. They're being tracked as like you put a. It's like an NFT. <laughs> yeah, you put a, you put a microchip in your in your in your favorite dog, you know, to keep them from being stolen or. So or you can turn lost. on the Find My Camel app on your phone. That's exactly. Uh, but but yeah, this past year, over sixty six million dollars worth of dirhams awarded in prizes to uh the various camels at the at the the big fests or that that one fest in particular i think there should be i mean it's a shame to put all the emphasis on appearance what about the camels that are uh that can really really handle the just have a sweet personality that can handle indignity yeah exactly or um no, I think there are so or, many or different can, there are so many different contests at these camel festivals that there probably are prizes for the camel that can do the best drawing. That's nice. The best caricature of of its friends. I like the <laughs> idea that like all these camels get a little special participation prize. Yeah, the camel that uh, that has the strongest bond with its robot jockey. And that concludes Camel Beauty Pageants. Entry 177. MT2324, certificate number 37337, in the omnibus. Uh, if you are looking to uh, contact the estates of the makers of the omnibus, um, John and I are no doubt long gone by the time you hear this record of our uh, mm-hmm. times and the camel, the various camel uh, uh, Botox scandals. Um, but we were... Ken, at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick, respectively, on social media, at Omnibus Project. Surely our uh, our descendants are still maintaining these accounts. You could email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com or send us things at uh, P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. Send us all your... Uh, send us photographs of your most beautiful camels. Mm-hmm. Send us if camel any- cigarette wrappers with the... With the um, relevant portion highlighted so i can finally see this if, if anyone listening owns a camel uh please write us and tell us everything i mean everything correct all our mistakes and, no but just like and offer us a ride give you know, like lay it on us what's it like we want the real camel scoop send us your camel uh robot jockeys mm-hmm. you can uh find like-minded listeners and uh, discuss highlights and lowlights of uh, omnibus culture with them by looking for futurelings on Facebook or Reddit or Discord or wherever weird internet fan communities are sold. The best way to support the show, as always, you know, there's a lot you can do. Mm-hmm. Listen with friends, recommend it to friends, write a nice review, write a mean but honest review. <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. No, we, we love the we love the honest one-star reviews. I guess so. You know, I haven't read any of them, so do whatever you want. I haven't either. I think they all say, I wish I could give this show zero stars. <laughs> kind, of, kind of misunderstanding how the system works in, a, in kind of a spinal tapian way. But really, the most productive way to support the show, and I'm sure it's a long-time success, 
would be... Oh, look, here's a review from this week, and it's nice. It's five stars. What's it say? This is one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, nice. They cover so many interesting things and introduce me to topics I wouldn't have otherwise known about. What a wholesome review. That's so nice. Thank you. No swears at all. You can can have Queen Lyrics referenced, get a Simpsons quote, and get a history lesson all while laughing. Who who wouldn't want to do that? That seems like an insanely good way to spend an afternoon. Um, But the best way to support the show is... uh, through the only language we understand here in capitalist society, mm. Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash omnibus project. And uh, really, if you're a new listener, you may not know this. You can, uh, you can hear a monthly extra bonus show. You can receive crazy personalized stuff from John and myself. All these opportunities available to you at patreon.com slash omnibus project. Fishlings, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. I mean, we would then have to try and relearn our own culture post-catastrophe. What would we bring forward? What would you think if we were fetishizing our own time our own past, like like the way now, Bedou- like the way Bedouin culture is being revived? Well, or even you know, like like the way that the that the residents of the Isle of Man are trying to learn Manx language mm. and popularize it, even though, you know, there's only a few hundred people that can speak it. Like, what would we remember as our, as ele, elemental to our era? Well, I was hosting Jeopardy the other day and none of the, uh, there were players my age or younger and nobody could recognize a photo of James Garner. What? So I think it's time to revive the Rockford Files. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> People need to need learn more about like seventies network TV detectives. Right. Right. Well, and the and the Beretta the, Cannon. It was the last time that a car featured prominently in a show where the car was the entry level model. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> what drove, did he drive? He drove this entry level Camaro that it wasn't all tricked out. Um, well, that's realistic. Didn't he live in a trailer? Yeah, he lived in a. He had a simple a trailer. Simple PI life. But he wasn't like Tom Selleck or whatever Crockett and Tubbs were jetting around in. Let, let, let me see. If, let me see about that. I, I want to make sure. Um, we almost escaped from the show, but then. Nope. Then they drew us back in. At least it was for something good. Like what kind of what Camaro, kind does, of Camaro does, does Jim Rockford drive? Uh, well, now this is saying it's a Firebird. Can that be true? It is. It's a Firebird, not a Camaro. But no, that's wrong. That's wrong. Is it right? I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe your misty memories of the Rockford Files and not this photograph. You know, it might be that it was a Pontiac Firebird Esprit. That's what it was. Not a top-of-the-line car by any means, but right. I really thought its low its low status meant it was a Camaro. Please don't write me if you own a Camaro. Please don't write me. Uh, We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings. Now, you know, we were were commenting on all these Jeopardy contestants that didn't know James Garner. And here I am like, oh, I don't even know the model of the the Pontiac. It's true. If you were on the show, it would be like, Jim Rockford drove this kind of car. And you would confidently be wrong. Chevy Camaro. Boo. Aw. Uh, well, this may have been yeah, my there's, final there's always, word. There's always booze and a big honking buzz when someone gets something <laughs> wrong on Jeffrey. That's the main thing about it. When you, uh, when you finally take over hosting the show, will you please institute a, like, sad clown horn <laughs> when someone is, is wrong on Double Jeopardy? And we're going to have a gong when, <laughs> they, when they don't make it to final because they're in the red. <laughs> to get gonged off the stage. If Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry.